Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. But we're going to talk today about how knowing Jesus changes you. Praise God, it changes you. And John, that's really what he's talking about, is knowing Jesus. He says in John chapter 1, verse 18, No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is from the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. He has revealed Him. He has openly made Him known. Nobody completely understood or knew God, but Jesus came to put a face on the Father. He came to show us the Father. And John had a revelation, probably as much as any of the other apostles, of who Jesus is. John chapter 1, Jesus is the Word of God. Chapter 2, He's the miracle worker. Chapter 3, He's the Savior. Chapter 4, He's the living water. Chapter 5, he's the eternal judge. Chapter 6, he's the bread of life. Chapter 7, he's the Christ. Chapter 8, he's the eternal God. Chapter 9, he's the light of the world. Chapter 10, he's the good shepherd. Chapter 11, he's the resurrection and the life. Chapter 12, he is the coming king. Chapter 13, he is the love of God. Chapter 14, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Chapter 15, he is the vine. Chapter 16, he is the world overcomer. Chapter 17, he is the intercessor. Chapter 18, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Chapter 19, he's the man of sorrows. Chapter 20, he's the son of God. And in chapter 21, Jesus is Lord of all. Thank God for Jesus. And when you get to know Jesus, he'll change your life. You know, he tells his disciples in verse 12 of chapter 21, come and dine. He's called us into fellowship. He's called us into relationship. He's called us to know him intimately and personally. And when you know him intimately and personally, it will change your life. It'll change where you go. It'll change what you do. When you look in verse 18 and verse 19, Jesus speaks to Peter. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were young, you clothed yourself and walked where you wanted to. But when you shall be old, you will stretch forth your hands. Another will clothe you and carry you where you would not go. This he spoke signifying by what death he should glorify God And we had spoken thus, he said unto him, follow me. The story is told of Peter in church history. That when Peter was martyred, that he requested to be crucified upside down. Because he said that he was not worthy to die in the manner of which his Lord died. How Jesus changes us when we come into a relationship with him. We're going to talk about that today. How when you see Jesus, when you know him intimately and personally, it will change who you are. So we begin in verse 1. We'll read through verse 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And this way he showed himself 
There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I go fishing. <laughs> and they said to him, we're going to go with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Here they were back at square one. It is so easy to go backward. I'm sure Jesus thought, after all I've done, after all I've invested in them, here they are again. <laughs> and you know, when we go backwards, how easy it is for us to lead a multitude of people with us. I've seen it happen. Their efforts, they fished all night and caught nothing. They were fruitless. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've worked, I've invested, I've done all I could and came up with a big zero at the end of the day. Not once, not twice, but several times. But thank God for grace. When the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was him. Jesus said, children, do you have any food? They said, no. He said, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you'll find. And they cast therefore. Now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but as it were about 300 feet, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals and a fish laid thereon with bread. Jesus said, bring the fish which you have now caught. They finally had a harvest. Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. For all, there were so many. Everybody had an abundance. It's so much better to obey him. You know, the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, right, you'll be devoured. Isaiah 1, 19, and then a portion of verse 20. Some of our grace circles, we don't like to talk about obedience. I remember a few years ago, Barbara and I were teaching in Canada, and we were teaching in a grace Bible college. As we were there, Barbara talked a little bit in one session about obedience, as she did. I could kind of tell it was making everybody's hair stand up on the back of their neck. What? This is a grace school, and you're talking about obedience? They even asked some questions to that point. So I got up the next session and said, by faith, the Bible says, we obey God. Abraham obeyed God. And when he, he went out, not even knowing where he was going, by faith, he obeyed. So, they, so praise God, God gives you the grace to obey. <laughs> kind of funny how we can throw the baby out with the bathwater sometimes. 
Jesus said to them in verse 12, come and die. He called them into fellowship. He called them into relationship. None of the disciples asked him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took bread and gave it to them and fish likewise. Now, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. He was revealing to them who he was. And when you really see him, when you get to know him for who he is, knowing Jesus for who he is will sustain you. Knowing Jesus for who he is will get you through, praise God. They went through a dry time, they went through a hard time, they went through a difficult time. But then when they trusted in him, when they believed in him, when they put their confidence in him, when they did what he said to do, there was more than enough for everyone. So knowing Jesus will sustain you. But not only will knowing Jesus sustain you, knowing Jesus will direct you. We begin to read in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Now, when we look at this in the English, Jesus asked him a question, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. But when you look at it in the Greek, there are two different words for love that are used here. The first one, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonas, do you agape me? Are you willing to sell out everything? Are you willing to sacrifice your life? Or are you willing to lay down everything? For me, he had told him early, if, if any man come after me, he's got to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever loses his sake for my sake in the Gospels, his life will find it. Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. When Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, he says, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. You know that I'm your friend, Jesus. But there's a big difference in selling out everything and just being somebody's friend. Jesus said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Do you agape me? Are, we, are you willing to lay down your life and take up mine? Are you willing to give yourself completely to me? He says, I love you. I phileo you. You know that I have affection for you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, when Jesus said, feed my lambs, well, why do we feed? We feed lambs because we want them to grow. We want them to get big. We want them to get strong, right? We want them to get fat. But when we feed sheep, why do we feed sheep? We feed sheep because we want to sustain them. We want to care for them. We want them to be productive in life. Praise God. Jesus is the good shepherd. And when you follow the good shepherd, Jesus will make you lie down in green pastures. You know, we have five buck deer that have made our backyard their home. 
Four of them are five points, and one of them is a three-point with one rack on. We, used to, we had two Shelties that went home to dog heaven, wherever that is. They were really good dogs, but they, they went home, and we had this little fence to keep them in. But once they're gone, the deer figured this out. When we're inside the fence, we're protected. Now, we've got this one. He's a giant five-point, but he must weigh, you know, over 400 pounds at least. I mean, he is big, and he is slick. And he is fat, and he is pretty. He'd make a lot of good jerky. <laughs> Barbara says, listen, all these people worried about it. We're never going to go hungry. We got rabbits around here. We got deer. There, there is plenty of sustenance. And if you read the Bible, the Bible says in Genesis 8, it's God's covenant with the earth. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, shall not cease. As long as the earth is here, there's going to be provision for the people of the earth. That's how God created it. That's how God made it. So don't you believe all these liberal, crazy, maniac liars. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Peter answers again, you know that I love you. You know, Jesus, that I'm your friend. Jesus said, feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Now, this time he uses the same word as Peter. Are you really my friend, Peter? He says unto him, Peter was grieved because he, Jesus said this to him the third time. Do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. I'm sure Peter is still struggling with some condemnation for what just happened a few weeks before. How he said, Lord, you know, even though everyone denies you, I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so will everyone that's with you deny me. So Peter says, you know all things, Lord. You know that I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. Again, he's calling him into relationship. And not only that, but he's calling him into purpose. See, when, when you get a revelation of who he is, it not only sustains you, but it directs you. And Christ's instruction will give us direction for life and living. Peter, I've called you to do something different. I've called you to go a new direction. I'm tired of going around this same mountain again. You know, you've been here once. You've done that before. It didn't work out very well, and it's not working out very well again. So, I, listen, Peter, I, I want you to learn to listen. I want you to learn to love me. I want you to learn to know me at a heart level. He's calling him into relationship at a different level. Now, when we begin to think about how Jesus calls us into relationship. And when we come into relationship, when we get to know Jesus, it redirects our lives. I think about Saul who became Paul. The day he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He replies to him, who are you, Lord? He knows it's the Lord. 
And, he, and, and, G, and Jesus begins to speak to him and said, you know, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to go the wrong direction. And it's amazing that we can harden our hearts so much to the Lord, and yet God will be speaking to us, and we can't even really hear him. Because we're not really open sometimes to what he's telling us. And when, when, when Saul, who became Paul, met Jesus, he said, listen, I have appeared to you for this purpose. I have a reason for your life. Not only what I'm telling you right now, but as you walk with me, as you get to know me, there's things that I'm going to reveal to you. And you know, the more that you get to know Jesus, I believe that the more he has to reveal to you, the more that he has to show you. But so many people get stuck on that road. Kenneth E. Hagin, Papa Hagin said this. He said, I, I believe that many preachers of the gospel live and die and never really fulfill what God called them to do. Some, somewhere on that road, they got stuck. They didn't keep growing in their relationship with God. And we've got to keep growing in our relationship with God. Some of us are even... Like Martha, we're busy, you know, doing our work and doing things for God, but yet we haven't taken time like Mary to sit down and know God. Martha complained to Jesus about Mary in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to verse 42. And Jesus' response was, Martha, Mary has chosen the better part. She's chosen to take time and to pull aside and, and really get to know who I am. And when you get to know who he is, when you get to know Jesus, I believe it changes your life. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 3. First of all, he talks about all the things that he had, how he was so zealous for God as a religious person and yet didn't know God. I think there are people that are very zealous for God. They're very religious but they don't really know God. He talks about all the things that he did in his own strength and his own power. You know, that gets you nowhere at the end of the day. But then he got to know Jesus, and he begins to talk about this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. If any, by any means, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I already attain, either were already perfect. This is the principle that I live my life by. Not that I've arrived. Not that I've already attained. Not that I'm already complete. But I follow after. That I may get a hold of what Jesus got a hold of me for. Brethren, he says in verse 13, I do not count myself to have arrived. I believe this is the principle that we ought to live our life. But this one thing that I do, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forward to those things which are before. There's sometimes you've got to forget some things that are behind you. There's sometimes you've got to forget some of your past failures. I've had them. I, I remember the devil blinking a neon light in my mind a number of years back. You failed. You failed. You failed. Well, guess what? It's not about me anyway. It's about him. 
And sometimes you've got to get, forget your past failures so you can move forward with God and do what he wants you to do. Amen. But not only do I think sometimes we need to forget our past failures, sometimes we need to forget our past successes. Sometimes we need to let go of some things from the past so we can move forward with God and, and, and begin to move in a new realm, in a, in a new area, and begin to do really what he wants us to do. So amazing, last Wednesday night we had Jason Law here. Jason, he's the son of Dr. Terry Law, who was the you know, head of World Compassion, and Terry went home two years ago. It was his anniversary of that, this past Wednesday, to be with Jesus. But Jason came and gave us a word how God wants to stretch us and God wants to take us into a new dimension. It was really amazing because just the day before, I'd sat with Cecil and Lisa Paxton, who are really good friends. And Cecil prayed for me. Lisa prayed for me. And then I was praying for them. And when I was praying for them, Lisa, you know, when I got done, gave me a word. said, Pastor Lawson, as you were praying, God began to speak these things to me. God began to tell me those things, and it really lined up so much with what Jason said. But Paul says, this is the principle that I live my life by. He said, I forget those things that are behind, and I reach forth to those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I just want to get a hold of what God got a hold of me for. That, that's how I want to live my life. I heard Dr. Lester Sumrall towards the end of his life say this. He said, this is the principle in which I've conducted my life. And this is the principle in which I've conducted my ministry. That nothing that I have done and nothing that I'm doing is nearly as great as what Jesus is going to do through me. Praise God. And I think we need to live our lives with that type of mentality. That nothing that we've done and nothing that we're doing is nearly as great. The future is always bright in Christ as what Jesus wants to do through me. And so Paul says, this is the way that I live my life. I live my life to follow him. Let's go a little farther as we read in John 21. Jesus spoke to him. Jesus said, listen, you, you, when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. And, but now, when you're old, you're not going to clothe yourself. You're not going to do what you want to do. You're, there's going to be another one clothe you. It's much better to be clothed in his glory. It's much better to be clothed with his purpose and his plan. It says Jesus spoke this in verse 19, signifying the death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. We are still called to follow Jesus. Now, if we go back to Mark chapter 1 and read in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 20, we see the instance where Jesus initially called Peter. And we'll read that. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he met Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. 
Jesus said unto them, Come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I, I love how it says it in Matthew. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I believe when we truly follow Jesus, that Jesus makes us, right? And whatever he makes us, whether we're a doctor, a lawyer, a banker, a teacher, a farmer, a welder, Whatever it is, he will make us to be fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you. And immediately they forsook their nets and followed him. We'd gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the ship, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with their hired servants. Their family had a very successful business, fishing business. Their father had hired servants. No doubt that they were set up to inherit that. But they went after him. And so how easy it is sometimes initially to follow Jesus, but as we follow him, sometimes there become challenges. And if we're not careful, it's so easy to go back. And you're either going backward or you're going forward in your relationship with God. I hope you're going forward. Amen? That Jesus called them not only into relationship where they would know him and he would sustain them, but also where he would know them and they would know him and he would give them direction. I think this really fits with Paul's statement in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Where Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to keep living the faith life in the flesh. And I believe that, you know, what is faith? It's really knowing God. It's knowing Christ. Hallelujah. Great people of faith are people who know God. Great people of faith are people who know Jesus. Praise God. And when you know him, he'll sustain you. But not only will he sustain you, he'll direct you. But I believe not only will he direct you, I believe he will also propel you into that which he has for you. In verse 21 of John 21, Peter actually I want to read verse 20. Then Peter turned about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved. He saw John following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is he that betrays you? Peter saw John and said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what's that to you? Follow me. When he went... This saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus said unto him, he will not die, but if, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? I believe knowing Jesus will propel you into that that God has for you. Now if you're going to move into what God has for you, there's a couple of things that you have to remember. Number one is you can't get hung up with somebody else who betrayed Jesus. Or maybe, Pastor Lawson, they betrayed you. 
Because as long as you hold on to the past, you can't move into the future. And Peter's still talking about, John, he's the one that leaned on your breast and asked you, who's going to betray you? You you can't be so caught up with everybody else's misgivings, with their sins, with their shortcomings. Listen, if you want to be mad, you can be mad. If you got an axe to grind, there's probably one to grind here. If you want to look for what's right, wrong, you can probably find that. And if you want to look for what's right, you can probably find that. You know what? It's your choice. It's your choice. But as long as you hold on to the past, as long as you hold on to what somebody's done wrong, as long as you hold on to somebody else's sin and their misgiving and and their shortcoming, do you know what you're doing? You're really hindering yourself from moving into what God has for you. You've got to let it go and let God help you move where he wants you to go. And many times when you're in a situation, you really don't even know what it's really like on the other side. It's kind of like Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God spoke to Samuel, actually. It's kind of like Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. God's, it's, it's after Saul had failed. And God asked Samuel this question. He said, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? How long are you going to cry about this? How long are you going to weep about this? In other words, he said, let it go. Fill your horn with oil and get up and go go call Jesse and his sons to sacrifice. For I have provided a king among his sons. Praise God. As long as you're mourning about the past and crying about what went wrong and all that difficulty, you're not moving forward really in what God has to do for you or for other people. So you've got to let go of those things. You know, years ago, Billy Joe Doherty told this story about how he was at ORU. And Roy Hicks was a great pastor from Nebraska. And Roy was in the voice of healing and had a great church in Nebraska. But Roy came to speak at ORU. And after he got done speaking, Billy Joe said, I ran out into the parking lot. And I said, Roy, can you tell me one thing that will help me make it in the ministry? He said, Roy looked at me and said, don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Some of the best advice that I could give ever anyone, don't get bitter. I'll tell you, don't get offended. I'll tell you, offense. Offense is like a one-way street right out of the ministry, right out of what God has to do for you. Don't get bitter. Don't let bitterness, don't let unforgiveness, don't let offense rule your heart. You've got to choose. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses will come, but you've got to choose to live above it. You've got to choose to forgive. You've got to choose in any relationship that you have. If it's in the church, if it's in your home, right? If it's at work, you can destroy any relationship by looking at what's wrong and focusing on that. And you can build any relationship by looking at what's right and focusing on that. Listen, I've had the privilege in my life of having two great mentors, Dr. Lester Sumrall and Andrew Womack. And both of those men, I've seen this principle in their life. I've seen them follow this principle. And that is they build relationships with people based on their strengths. 
They don't look so much at what's wrong or for what's wrong, but they're looking for what's right. And if you look at what, for what's wrong, you'll find it. And if you focus on that, like I said, you can destroy your marriage, you can destroy your job, you can destroy your church, you can destroy just about any relationship. But if you look at what's right, you can build about any relationship. But you make the choice, it's your choice. And you know, many times it's just not quite what you thought it was going to be. You know, the other one is this, this principle. Charlie LeBanc said this years ago at the Bible school at Karis Bible College. They asked him, how can we make it in the ministry? He said, I have this one commandment that I follow. And it's be flexible, therefore you will not be broken. Some people are so legalistic, they have no flexibility. And if you're going to make it in the ministry, listen, you got to learn to be flexible. You know what? If you're not, you probably get broken. And so, don't worry so much about how everybody else failed. And everybody else, you know, missed God. And everybody else did you wrong, you know? Lester Summerall said this also. He said, you know, there are so many people that have done so much for me and that helped me. I hardly did anything for them. And he said, some people I did so much for. And yet they didn't respect it. They didn't appreciate it. Oh, I found that to be true. There's some people that I've helped so much, and yet they care so little. Other people I've helped hardly at all, and yet they've done so much. So we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. The other thing is run your race. Peter asked Jesus, what's John going to do? Jesus said, that's none of your business. <laughs> John's life is John's life. John's call is John's call. That's between me and him and the Father and the Holy Ghost. But it's not your business. You need to run your race. Don't try to get involved in somebody else's race, what somebody else is doing. I want to turn just a little bit and, and read some of these words here in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 through 3 says this. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all of those people who have died, who've went on before us, great people of faith. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Every weight. What's holding you back from God's best? What sin? It's the little foxes that spoil the vines easily beset you and let us run with patience the race that is set before us you know what we need to keep running our race I can see Jesus talking to Peter whatever John does that's between me and John that's between the father and him that's between the Holy Spirit and him it's none of your business you need to run your race so many people get off course they get off the track and they're criticizing somebody else in their race, and they're not running their own. It's amazing how people that aren't doing much want to criticize people that are doing so much. But you know, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to run our race. He says, looking unto Jesus, 
the author, he's the one that started you out in this race and the finisher of our faith who the, for the joy that was set before him. He looked out there and he saw the harvest. I believe that Jesus saw you. I believe Jesus saw me. I believe that Jesus saw the world. And because of that, he endured the cross and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished the work. For consider him who endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself. You know, sometimes it's not only the sinners, right? It's the saints. Consider him. You know, the first 13 years of my ministry, full-time ministry, because we were really ministering many years before that, we spent pastoring in Kit Carson, Colorado. And it was really pretty easy because I just really had to take care of myself and a few sheep. You know, <laughs> people ask me why I had cows. Well, Cheyenne County, where Kit Carson is, is about 2,400 square miles, 60 miles by 40 miles. And there's about 2,200 people there. So there's less than one person per square mile. And you know what? Nearly everybody in Cheyenne County owns a cow. <laughs> so it's a great way to build relationships with people. Amen? But when I came here, it was so different. And all of a sudden, I began to work with a Bible school. And, you know, specifically Karis Bible College. And there were so many people. And, and some of them were so challenging. And I thought, how? These people are ordained and they in the ministry and they say things like this and that. Jesus. <laughs> the Lord told me, listen, they're not your servants. They're Andrew Womack's servants and they're my servants. So you keep your hands off of them. <laughs> and you let me deal with them. Yes, sir, Jesus. I understand. Consider him who endured such a contradiction of sinners. Paul said we had challenges on the outside, but we also had some on the inside. Lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You know where the battlefield is? The battle, battle is in your mind. And don't think the devil's not fighting people, because I know he's fighting me. And I know he's fighting other people. So I, you know what? That tells me we're getting ready to take some territory. Amen. And I, you know, he throws a fight, but he doesn't win because we catch him. We're not ignorant at, at, of his devices. We go on down and read in verse 14. It says this, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men. You know, the Bible says as much as possible in Romans 12, live peaceably with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fall from the grace of God. You don't want to fall from grace. You know how you fall from grace? If you study Galatians chapter 5, you know what caused people to fall from grace? Legalism. If you be justified by your works, he says, you are fallen from grace. Now, if you study that in context, what's fallen from grace talking about? Does that mean you lost your salvation? No, I believe what it means is you're missing out on the blessing. If you want to, you know, miss out on the blessing, you got to watch your attitude. 
And he says this, look diligently lest any man fall from the grace of God and lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. I've seen that happen. I've seen people get bitter. I've seen them get offended. And I've seen them when they get bitter and they get offended, they take a whole swath of people out. You got to watch who you're following. You got to watch what you're listening to. He goes on down in verse 25 and says this, see that you refuse not him that speaks. You know what he's saying in the book of Hebrews? He's saying God in in chapter 1 verse 1 who at different times spoke to us in different manners by the prophets is in these last days speaking to us by his son. He's like keep listening to Jesus. Don't harden your heart. And so you know what we need to do? If we want to be propelled into that that God wants us to do. Number one, don't get bitter. Don't get offended. But number two, run your race. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? And keep listening to what Jesus is telling you to do. Praise God. Really, all I'm trying to do every day is hear him. And do what he tells me to do. Praise God. And I don't always hear him perfectly. I'll be honest with you. If I told you that I always heard him perfectly. I I would be much less than honest with you. Because I've lived too much life. To think that I always hear him perfectly. That I'm only spirit. (laughs) Amen. But I can tell you. I believe I hear him more right then I do wrong. Amen? And I believe through the different ways. I hear him through his word. I hear him through his spirit. I hear him through the peace of God. I hear him through the gifts of the spirit. And I also hear him through godly counsel. That's the five ways that I seek to hear God. And you know, I believe I get it right more than I get it wrong. Amen? But I would be arrogant if I told you that I always got it right. Because any man that's lived very much life knows that he's not only a spirit, but you have a soul and you have a body and you've got to learn to discern the voice of the spirit. So Jesus, God has called you to fellowship. He's called you to relationship. He's called you to know Jesus. And when you know him, I believe that knowing Jesus will sustain you. I believe that knowing Jesus will direct you. But I believe also that knowing Jesus will propel you into that which God has for you. Now let's go back to John and let's read this simple conclusion in verse 24 and 25. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony of Jesus. Do you know the Bible says in Revelation 19 verse 10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And there are also so many things which Jesus did the which if I suppose they would be written every one. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. My conclusion is simple. When you know him and have seen him, 
There's plenty to say and plenty to do. Keep sharing the testimony of Jesus. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.